RadioInfluence.com. Good afternoon, everyone, and welcome to the Monday edition of the Dark Delight Podcast with Monday Morning Val and Beans. And we have special guest Kyle Serafin with us for some of the show today. Um, and Frank, the reason why I had Kyle join us here is because um, Uncovered DC is publishing a column today, and I thought that he might be able to lend some perspective to what is being discussed. Um, in general, it's the weaponization of the DOJ, but two things in particular. Um, and since it'll be out in a couple hours, I'm not even worried about talking about it in detail, Kyle. So what we're what I'm writing about today, just to fill you in, is the... Um, you had said on Twitter about a week ago was the uh, insider threat training has been coupled with the whistleblower training at the right. FBI. Can you explain to everybody if that's normal or not? Yes. Also, I just want to let people know that it is 43 degrees in my little trailer here that I'm sitting in. That's why I'm sitting in a jacket. So here's here's why it's so not uh, common. Every year, the FBI puts on these trainings, like every other government agency will probably know about it. It's called Virtual Academy, and I'm pretty confident that's actually across the government spectrum. Virtual Academy is an online um, PowerPoint-based, small videos, just garbage training that they do. They teach you how to, you know, don't touch blood if you see it in the office, if there's a broken glass, how to sweep it up, like all your OSHA-type requirements for your job, all the kind of like uh, pedantic and inane stuff that you have to do as a government employee to check some box that says that you're safe, they go through it. And so um, for FBI employees, they have some that are a little bit more specific, like how to handle classified documents, how to mark classified documents. These are annual updates. They just check the box. If you do FISA, how, you know what the FISA requirements are and so on. But this year, they took two trainings that have always been exclusive and they've always had their own training blocks and they combine them in a way that seems like a threat and based on what we've seen the attorney general put out and some of the memos that have gone out in the last 12 months i think it's a very reasonable assessment there's a a concept inside the federal government particularly inside the intelligence community known as insider threat and that's going to be your robert hansons your Aldrich ames your um your your traders and spies, the people that are either willing to sell information for ideological purposes or that are going to give access to threat countries to, you know, the inside baseball that the U.S. government is trying to protect. And so the insider threat, they always tell you there's always, it's always the same things. It's like financial problems. Um, that was Hanson's thing. Marital infidelity is actually one of the triggers they're supposed to look at. Um, there's a couple of other things. But if you can't be honest with your spouse, if you can't keep track of your finances, then you're potentially in a vulnerable position where a threat country could lean on you and have you expose information. And one of the things in there, Kyle, was um, basically if your ideology is is contrary to, you know, national um Basically, if you're, quote, considered an enemy, of the, if your ideology leans towards you not supporting the policies of the United States government, and you have to wonder right now what those are, would that by default make half of the FBI an insider threat? <laughs> like, Yeah, it's probably not half the FBI, but here's the thing. I've never seen that before. I've never seen that. Um, that's an all new kind of game and um, why they chose to do that. Now, here's the second thing. There is a thing called whistleblower um protection training and that's supposed to give you the codified protections that fall under federal law it's under 5 usc 2303 which is the fbi whistleblower protection act there's a second whistleblower protection act which was actually it predates it from like 
by four years. This was the uh, was five USC two thousand two or twenty three oh two, and so that was the main one that everyone thinks of when you go look at the statute. That's what you see. The FBI actually has a narrower definition of the whistleblower protection. And it doesn't cover nearly as many things. And and there's no teeth to either one of them. They could still screw you over, which is and why I'm the way I am. Yeah, that's that's my world. Um, but that being said, by combining them, what they've kind of shown is that they're saying and it's threatening the way that they do it is threatening. It's like, you know, here's all these things. Watch out for hostile ideologies. And then, by the way, you might think you're a whistleblower, but you're not a whistleblower unless you do the following things. And, um, you know, you shouldn't. Be, you know, you shouldn't be doing these things without permission. It kind of goes along with Merrick Garland's uh, email saying you can't, you know, contact Congress yep. without going through our Congressional Affairs Office, which is complete BS, by the way. Like there's actually a 5 USC 7211. I don't know why I have all this in my head, but I have it in my head because it's my life. But 7211 tells you that you can actually go out there and do that. You can actually you have the right to petition Congress as a federal employee, no matter what. As a matter of fact, so, in the report that Congress prepared, the Judiciary Committee compared, prepared a report Based off of the suspendables, um, based off the suspendables disclosures, that yeah. in there is a huge page that says you can contact Congress. Like that's right. You should come here and tell us everything that you want to tell us. On August thirtieth of twenty twenty two, Merrick Garland sent out a memo basically telling everyone in the FBI you're not supposed to be talking to anybody but this office. That will then liaise for you, if that's a word. We'll be the liaison for you to Congress. Don't worry about it. Like, we'll take that's care right. of it. So that's Yeah, what that's, that's what they do. Yeah. Now, I didn't realize this, Kyle. Frank, listen to this one, because this is pretty crazy. I mm. didn't realize how serious this National School Board Association thing was until I started doing all the research I've been doing the past week. The White House drafted this memo with the National School Board Association that basically asked the federal government to provide resources to support them with law enforcement at school board meetings. And then Merrick Garland testified in front of the Senate that it was no big deal and they were not doing anything untoward and blah, blah, blah. And then was it who... You There was an EGU... An EDU... What was it? What was the threat tag? Threat tag. It's EDU officials. EDU officials. That was mm-hmm. assigned to be used by the FBI on all of these tips and investigations that were opened. Counterintelligence, am I correct? Uh, counterterrorism, Counter- but very similar. I'm sorry. Okay. So yep. t- tell us about this. This is bigger than I thought. Okay. So the way that a threat tag works, it's like a hashtag on uh, social media. If you were to click on a, a particular um, threat tag, it's going to bring up all the investigations that have been tagged with that threat. And they may be not related to each other at all, other than they all have this one underlying thing. It may only be one document in a single case that gives you access that that's going to tag to it. So it's not necessarily the entire case. Right. But there are two types of investigations in the FBI, broadly speaking. One of them is a criminal investigation, and that is the allegation or information that there is a federal crime that was committed. And then somebody should investigate it and find out who done it and and whether they're responsible. Right. That's what people think the FBI does. But the primary responsibility of the FBI at this point, because they've taken it on themselves to be the agency that doesn't allow any American related to terrorism, we're, we're preventing terrorist attacks, whatever the heck that means, pre-criming. And so those fall underneath the intelligence investigation sides, of which there are counterintelligence, which is spies and terrorists and stealing technology, and then counterterrorism. And counterterrorism is very, very vague. Since 9-11, that definition has crept big and wide, and it has gone from ISIS and Al-Qaeda and Al-Shabaab and 
fill in the blank, you know, Islamic terrorists overseas to uh, domestic homegrown violent extremists, people who are here that, you know, believe in those sort of ideologies that are overseas. And then it's gone to white supremacy and anti-abortion protesters and God knows what else, um, you know, anti-government, anti-authority and so on. So they've gotten this really, really big. When you tag somebody on a counter-terrorism investigation, which is my major concern, which is why I disclosed this stuff, um, you unlock a whole bunch of tools that Mayor Garland said that he wouldn't use. He said he wouldn't use Patriot Act tools. But once you're under the vein of intelligence investigations, you're not beholden to saying that there was a crime and here's the person who did it. You could say this person represents a quote unquote threat. And that threat is whatever the hell we define it to be. Once you go after that, you can use tools like national security letters. You can do secret subpoenas that only the FBI signs off on. They literally send a a letter, which is called an NSL. We'll send it off to like a bank and we'll say, hey, there's really good reason to believe that we should have this in the interest of national security. We can't tell you why it's classified. Go ahead and send us over those bank records. And they do all the time. I'll get hundreds of pages of bank records in a return. And then we scan them in. We look for what we're looking for. Same thing with your toll records, everybody you're calling and texting. Um, same thing with you know your social media accounts. If it's private, we can go and get those things as well. So there's lots of different tools you unlock once you start doing the counter terrorism investigation, because it's an intel investigation. It's for information. It's not to find criminal activity. And if we happen to find it, we'll just build a parallel investigation alongside it. it which is unbelievable to me. A- absolutely. That's just what that's that's been going on for years, just so you know. I mean, like literally 20 years. So you had parents wrapped up in this nonsense that did absolutely nothing. Frank, were you going to say something? I was going to say uh, this is precisely the reason why I thought while everybody else was freaking out, I thought that the balloon thing was such a joke and uh, continues to be a giant joke because this is what we uh, what's more of a threat is balloon or our own government i mean what's been spying on us so much more uh, on the regular it's just it's just a joke so it's still so, fun it, to watch the military shoot it down though so well it here's the thing it's both yeah, guys. fireworks are fun on the fourth of july so sure. it, it, it is both things though and, and here's why uh the chinese and and i Listened to one of those Twitter spaces the other day where people were talking about it and they had a bunch of people that have minimal knowledge and haven't worked against the Chinese threat. But I did that for two years. I'm not an expert, but I'm I'm informed, let's say. The Chinese are a very, very patient and slow moving uh, organization. They've been doing a hundred year plan that they are executing and they are they are, you know, they don't do things just to see what happens next. This is all mapped out. This is the way they operate. They, they publish these things. They've got five-year plans. They've got, you know, 100-year plans. And so when they send over a balloon like that and they want to just see what happens, all they're trying to see is what's the response. They're gauging enemy response over and over again. So it is important because it shows that we have an administration that wasn't going to, like, go drop it in the Pacific Ocean. They let it roll across to the Atlantic under the guise that it was dangerous. I don't know if you guys have ever been to Montana, but I spent some time there. You can shoot down anything over Montana almost anywhere and hit almost nothing pretty much the entire time that it's there. They could have done it over Alaska. They could have done it any time, right? So it, it is a thing that's worth noting, but it is also Operation Sideshow at the same time. Like getting all that, that media attention, it's like pay attention to this stuff, like you said, Frank. And then there's a lot bigger stuff going on, which is that, yeah. Also, if you think that the, the our... Some of our intel systems are not compromised like you're foolish because there are state actors, whether they be Russia, Iran, you know, China, maybe uh, North Korea and so on, that are fighting like all the time <laughs> to try to get into some of our systems. They hacked OPM. They got all of, like the, like all my Social Security and all my my information that I put in my my uh, security background check got hacked the year that I joined the FBI. <laughs> it's like 
Thanks for that, guys. It, it's, they it's, gave us they gave us LifeLock. It's easy when they're they're you know the, the CIA is using passwords like lock one two three to to secure their most you know potent hacking tools to they they like are basically asking for them to come in. They're probably sending the password over Gmail and saying, "Here it is, guys, come on in." Speaking of security clearances, <laughs> this this is another one. Segway. Segway. Um, there is one person at the FBI who's in charge of the training, your clearance, and hiring and firing. Well, not firing, hiring, correct? And and like policy practice and things like that. So she's at the top of the food chain that makes all the policy decisions for that. She's not obviously individually doing all those things, mm-hmm. but she is the the individual whose name is on the paper that revokes your clearance for sure. You're talking about my friend Drunk Jenny. Drunk Jenny. Uh, <laughs> That's that's what my that's what my buddy producer Phil calls her. He goes, he goes. Is there any way to unhear what you hear? This woman apparently used to walk around the office during the COVID shutdowns, like, and was visibly intoxicated, like, petting female employees, telling them their hair was pretty, and just you've read her emails. There, um, I have. Sounds like that old uh, that old uh, congresswoman from from California, Katie somebody. Yes, remember that. Well, she she had all of her her uh, yeah the one in the thruple, her staff oh. uh, brushing br- she would brush her hair her staff's hair naked take bong rips all day. Now look, so, when you're in Congress, there's no rules, as we've seen. So you could do, be worried about you could be worried about your 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 own things that you know about, or you could be worried about whether uh, Guam is going to topple or capsize or anything. Like you could just say things and get away with it and get reelected. That man was actually arguing against using the Pledge of Allegiance at the beginning of hearings the other day. But honestly, this is Hank, uh, whatever his name was. Hank Johnson. Yeah, he's awesome. Yeah, he's wonderful. Um, so Jennifer is in charge of all of that. And, you know, it's it's it. She has been I don't want to say subpoenaed yet because she hasn't been. But she's been they've requested. She has. She's been subpoenaed. She was. Yeah, this week. Uh, uh, and last week, rather. Oh, so I've I only believe- seen that that Ray and Garland have been subpoenaed, not more, but. Y- you know what? You might be right. She has had multiple requests for a transcribed interview. I may be incorrect on that. Yeah, yeah so, so they've asked for her like a good 15 times to come and testify. Oh, yeah. Yeah, she's, yeah. She's done a lot of things. And um, today, hopefully by this afternoon, all of you will be able to read all of the emails that she has written because they've been provided to me by a brave whistleblower. And Tracy is not suicidal in any way. <laughs> Don't no, no. say that. <laughs> That's terrible. <laughs> my, my, my wife sent me a picture of uh, of uh, Epstein, and it said, uh, be my Valentine. Don't leave me hanging. Oh, my God. Oh, man. Don't leave me hanging. <laughs> my wife is a strange cat. Well, you remember, I don't know if you remember this. Obviously, it's a novelty, and I'm sure somebody, you'd be able to find it in some kind of a Spencer's Gifts kind of a store after the uh, the 2019 demise of uh, Jeffrey Epstein. But you remember when Saddam Hussein was, was killed, uh, and they made Christmas ornaments with him hanging, hanging by his neck? No, I do not remember that. That's terrible. Yeah, you can hang Saddam Hussein from from a, from a Christmas tree. He was not a good looking man at the end. No, he oh, had he really. Was, he was a hobo at the end. He looked like a, a homeless he, yeah. man, for sure. He did. He fit right. He fit right into New York. 
Nobody yes. knows who he was if he was here. He could just, yeah, he could just hang out on the subway platform and push people into the A train. Did you right. see that the mayor of New York, Eric Adams, was sleeping in that um, sanctuary shelter that they're creating at the terminal there last night? How long? How long do you think he actually laid down there before they took the? Okay, that's what I think. Five too. minutes, maybe. That did not look like a used bedroll. Just saying. No, and he was dressed in his suit, and he was like, "Get me the hell out yeah. of here as quickly as possible." Right. I'm it smells and, bad. I, play some board games with you. So what? A, I left. That's what you got to do. If you're if you're a leftist politician, you have to pander. You don't have a choice. I left. I left. So that column's coming out today. But I'm also working on a, a more broad, broad sort of a, a story because this politicization has been happening in earnest. Obviously, it happened in 2016, 2017. We get that. Obviously, it happened even before that and several times. However, just like at the Grammys, they don't, you know how at the Grammys, like they used to make you think, like they used to make you look crazy when you pointed out the satanic sim- symbolism that was in the show. They used to make you, know, look at those conspiracy theorists saying, now they're just literally dressing up like devils and, and dancing around the screen. Like, did you see Sam Smith? Frank? Yes. Are you asking me? Yeah. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Well, yeah, I did. So Sam Smith. Terrific. Dress the whole stage is just basically hell. And then at the end of the the end of that segment literally is a commercial that says the Grammys is brought to you by Pfizer. I'm like, you've got to be kidding me. Yeah. So they don't even hide it anymore. No, I remember it was back in 2013. It was either. uh, I don't know, 10, 11, 12, or 13. Oh. Because we were still at we were still at the old studio. And Madonna, um, Madonna, who is like I like I told you, slowly turned herself into a praying mantis, is at the Grammys, and her performance at that time was 100 percent from start to finish a black mass. And it, it, that was that was you know, 10 years ago now. So, like you said, back then, if you were to bring that up, you say, Oh, stop, it's just avant-garde it's just a it's just performative and no it's just not we live in the now we live in the era of we have four states in the union that have schools that are offering after school satan clubs yep it's and this is just what we're built we're brought up with self-indulgent self-centered culture and education now you may not know the religious and sacrificial ends to that but that kind that brand of humanism is satanic that's what it's all about and this uh and these displays are just they're they're naked now and everybody thinks that they're being edgy but they're not they're just in it and you know you know what's crazy, Frank, is that there's a uh, a satanic temple that's taken root, I guess, in uh, the state of New Mexico, and they were just I just saw it yesterday that there is a a movement to initiate a a ritualized satanic abortion. Yes. In order to justify being able, to, first of all, you can do abortions in in New Mexico; it's a blue state. But uh, but moreover, they're talking about doing that there, and like in the '90s when I was you know in high school, like that would have got firebombed. That would have been the end of it. I'm not saying that's good. I'm just saying that that's what would have happened because nobody in this country would have tolerated it. And I don't know if anybody would have gone looking for him because that's just so outside the 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 realm. But we've pushed that Overton window of what's acceptable in our society, like so far to the wild left where it's like everything's good. If you if you see it like it's if you think it, if you can dream it, you can be it uh, no matter how awful and, you know, against our 
values it is. And well, where we are right now, where we are right now is a is a is a testament of how that Overton window shifts so quickly. I mean, back in the '90s, there were pe- most people who were pro-choice were 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 coming from a very somber, you know, uh, state of emergency point of view. That whole yeah, the safe, legal, and rare, right? Safe, legal, and rare rape and incest kind of thing which we know if it was only relegated to that 99.9 percent of abortions would be gone anyway but the fact but if anybody heard that a satanic temple was coming in to make their specific religious um uh uh rich uh, their their specific ritual um uh practices baby sacrifices that's insane everybody everybody there was a big deal about that in the 80s if you remember like they were hunting down the satanic cults because there was a belief that this was going on and most of it was hysteria and all that kind of thing but um you know people there were whole shows written about it there was all these investigative journalism trying to find out like whether or not they were sacrificing babies in in barns somewhere in the middle of nowhere like this was a big concern maybe a wacko concern on the on the right but uh but today it's real and it's in like the mainstream and, and nobody's even hiding it that's hear, so incredible. I, I, you, you and Tracy were just laying out all of the ways that we know it every couple of years that they, they give us more MIAC security reports and all that stuff of who the biggest threats to American society are and who needs to be surveilled and all that stuff. Um, by any chance, do you know if uh, abortion ritual providing satanic churches are on the the <laughs> the list at this point or is it no, still the- just school groups? It's the opposite of that, actually. So the number three threat in New Mexico when I was there in 2021 was anti-abortion protesters, of which there had never been any violence in the state of New Mexico that I could ever find on record. But it was still top three. And this is a this is top three of the counterterrorism threats that they had. This is a state that has like 100 plus miles of Mexican border, right, of which a huge chunk of it is privately owned and being utilized by cartels. I went and talked to Border Patrol agents who told me, like no joke 15 plus years there has been a smuggling operation going across one of the largest ranches down there which is called the diamond a ranch people can look it up it's in the boot heel of new mexico and they're like yep we don't have any access to it they've got radio towers with way more sophistication than they ought to and we're pretty confident the cartels are being able to move things over we've caught like back in 05 we caught like three pickup truck convoys with tens of thousands of pounds of marijuana coming across but at this point everything's coming across whenever they want and they don't let us on the property unless we get permission first so they can clear out he's like i don't know if the owner's in but the the foreman are and um he's like you want a cartel case and i went back and i was like can we do this and they were like maybe yeah maybe we're really really interested in spies that's what we really need to do there's a pill mill there's literally two abortion clinics when i left in new mexico one was a pill mill which was down um, in anthony texas and the other was actually a surgical facility up in albuquerque it's not a very populated state and for whatever reason their belief was is that because texas passed a heartbeat bill that was going to drive more abortions to new mexico just possible but that's a leap right like we don't guarantee that and because there were going to be more abortions that was going to make christians who pray outside of them violent no, no substantiation that's what we would call like uh with a medium degree of confidence the same way they always have this like install crap merrick garland didn't do any due diligence on the supposed threats that the national school board association used in in their letter which right. ended up being the one guy whose daughter was violently raped in a bathroom um by a man wearing a dress or a boy wearing a dress so it, i mean there was a very um very tension-filled exchange between Ted Cruz and Merrick Garland surrounding that, which will be included in my piece today. 
Um, I want. I have another question for you, though, Kyle. What's going on with the committees? Do you have any information you can share with us at all? Like, what are they doing? Are they doing anything? Are we going to see anything? Like, I know they subpoenaed Ray and Garland, but are we going to see anything? What do you think? Uh, not for a bit, for sure. So uh, one of my buddies is going to testify this week. Um, I've got one that's testifying today in a uh, in a closed deposition. I guess it's a two-sided deposition. So pray for his, um, you know, fortitude and wisdom as he goes through that. Apparently, it's going to be a six-hour or so uh, sort of trial by, by verbal fire. Mm-hmm. Uh, I've got another one doing it on Wednesday. Um, here's what's really crazy. And people, if they're not following my Twitter, they haven't seen this. Um, I don't have a job. I haven't had a job since June of last year. I get paid $39,000 to work for the FBI last year. And that was mostly my leave. Um, I only got paid for six weeks of work. I paid out of my pocket for my friend to travel to the Jordan committee to do his testimony in front of Congress because they won't pay for him to travel out there because he doesn't have a job either because he was removed the same way that I was. So if that doesn't make you absolutely appalled at what a joke our GOP is, the same GOP that said um, U.S. military one spy balloon zero last night, that was the House Judiciary Committee tweeted that out under Jordan. So these these people are clowns at this point to me. Like, I'm going to just say it as loudly as it needs to be said. You are a freaking clown show if you tell me we don't want to appear like we're partisan. Hello, you're freaking partisan. You ran on a partisan platform. Your part your platform is hold the FBI accountable. That's not a partisan issue. You can pay for my friend who doesn't have a freaking paycheck to come out there instead of me paying for it out of a give send go that was supposed to go to his legal fees if he needs it. It's totally insane. And so I have zero hope with them at this point. It's just, I think we're lost, which is terrible to say, but I did like, at least on that venue, we're lost because who, who would think that's realistic? Like that's not serious people. And, and, and it's not like, like committees like this just historically are good about keeping the dates. They change things all the time. And then you're bouncing around, changing your flights, changing your hotel, changing, changing, changing. It's, it's, you know, I, I don't get how they, they wouldn't be able to, to have a little stipend or something for meals. It's D.C., for God's sakes. That place is a hellhole, and it's really expensive. Um, so well, I, I sent him a thousand bucks. I'm going to send him another one, another thousand this week. Like, I'm just it, it's insane. Um, what they did to Steve, too. I mean, you're not in. The, I don't think that you're in this place yet. I'm not going to speak for you. But Steve got a job offer. Steve friend. Yes. Got a job offer. Wanted to take the job offer, but has to ask the FBI permission to let him work while all this rigmarole crap goes on. And they right. denied him the ability to, to take the job. Yeah, he we were no. working on that in the background together. It's it's pretty amazing. So the job that Steve has or is, is starting up is great because it allows him to go and, and keep fighting um, and, and doing things vocally. I've actually had two job offers. I had to turn them both down because it would require me to be quiet. And I think honestly being loud and talking to, to, to folks like you two and and you know being able to have stories published and and going to reporters is one of the things that's keeping me from having the FBI kick my door in um I told my wife that the other day I was like the, the fact that we're public is is probably the most important thing because we have an unethical weaponized politicized DOJ and FBI and they have like I've offended the sensibilities of the people that are in the regime whether they are going to admit it or not I know that my name has been briefed to the director of the FBI. That's pretty funny. It wasn't on my bucket list, but I guess I checked it off anyway. And you just look around at stuff like that and you just go, like, what planet are we living on? I worked there. There was no allegations of wrongdoing that I've ever done. I had six years of honorable service, four, you know, almost four years in the military, honorable discharge. I'm a disabled vet. It's like I'm, You had I'm a on conversation with a police officer that is completely outside of the realm of things that you're supposed to be doing, Kyle. 
Yeah. Even dumber than that. You want to hear what's the dumbest thing? Jennifer Moore, the woman who revoked my security clearance, gave me we have uh, four categories of performance awards for daily performance. A, B, C and D. D is the highest category. And it's given based on the amount of uh, financial incentive they'll give you. So a lot of people will get like a hundred dollar or a two hundred fifty dollar or whatever cash award for doing a great job because like. I don't know, like you did the budget, you did the inventory, like you found all of our computers on our squad list, whatever it is. Um, I was awarded a $3,000 cash award, which I don't know anybody that's gotten one of those. And we were talking about it and like nobody knew what that was because I rebuilt a security or a surveillance program that was at Washington Field to watch criminal subjects, armed and dangerous criminal subjects out in the wild. And so I rebuilt it. She wrote me a $3,000 cash award. Not only did she not personally give it to me, even though I have the email that says, give this to the employee with the most amount of fanfare that you can have, like bring them up in front of people, blah, blah, blah. It literally tells the executive how to give out the award. She didn't do any of those things. It got handed to me on the way out of a staff meeting with just my peers, and uh, which is fine. Like, I, I don't do my job for my, you don't do your job for, for an award. I think that's dumb. You don't. My point is n- nobody should. I but do. The point, <laughs> but the point of it is, is how silly is it that this woman won she wrote me this award in in I got that award in late 2020 and by you know 2022 she's revoking my security clearance and I had no performance changes and it's, not it's, only it's that but she's also throwing big parties for people who were kneeling in solidarity with BLM and tossing out gift cards and promotions to those people like it's well, nobody's that, business that's her buddy Larissa Knapp who is the EAD of the National Security Branch the oh. two of them were they're buddies. Uh, they're both in the same age bracket. They're both, you know, the same kind of climbers when it comes to the way the bureau works. I think Larissa is actually a faster climber. Um, uh, Larissa, she used to sign her emails. Larissa. Do they L-A-R-I-S. both use little R-I-S. emojis too, like like more does? I have to imagine they do, but I think Larissa might be a little bit more serious, even though she calls herself Larissa. She never, um, I never got any of her emails. She was this the special agent in charge of the counterterrorism unit uh, or division at Washington Field in 2020 during the summer of love. And so she was the one that said that the BLM kneelers, what we call kneel team six, was, um, you know, they were heroes and they saved lives by dropping a knee and genuflecting for a, a Marxist group. Whereas... You know, Jenny Moore, drunk Jenny, was petting people the next year or maybe that year, too. It's just, the whole thing is insane. It, like these people should not be in charge of anything. If you want to know, uh, Frank, who Jennifer Moore is in my mind, did you remember Billy Madison? Oh, yeah. OK, great movie. That Veronica Vaughn. Big, big fan. Right. One of Chris Farley's better pieces. Great, yes. uh, great thing by Adam Sandler. Um, do you remember? Miss Lippy, she was the kindergarten teacher that like <laughs> that that made the necklaces out of macaroni and the, he caught her eating glue and putting it on her face. Yeah, the blue duck. Yeah, you got to get outside because of resort, you know, it's recess. It's Miss Lippy's time. Like, I think that's what Jennifer Moore is like in her office when nobody's looking. She's eating the glue. She's putting on paste. <laughs> wonderful. She character. doesn't want you to. This is a wonderful character description. I, I'm, I'm on board with you 100 percent now. She's in charge of the security clearances for every single person in the FBI. Now, just do that math. Just extrapolate yourself into the world where that happened. And we're in we're in the clown upside down. These are the people running things, folks. That's and- it. Actually, I think I think that's what it is. I think it's a little hey, now that you say it, Kyle, I think that we probably are by and large a government and a larger um, a larger extrajudicial apparatus that is half uh, Eric and half Miss Lippy. I think yes. we have the scheme. You got to tell people who Eric is. Not everyone remembers Eric, but I do. Yeah, well, Eric, he's from, the weasel. From, yeah, yeah. From uh, from from Billy Madison, he's the one that wants to actually 
uh, t- take out Billy and make sure that he's disinherited from Madison hotels. Oh, that and, guy. And, and, yeah. See, I told you, Tracy didn't recognize it until you said it. Yeah, exactly. The weasel laugh. I, yeah, he's the one. That, he's he's the one that's trying to trying to make his entire his entire uh, renaissance, his educational renaissance, uh, be foiled and sabotaged. I think it's probably mostly him and Miss Lippies with a couple of Carls in between that just get stomped out whenever they want to do something good. Those evil guys never end up winning, though. Remember? Yeah. The Eric's no, of the don't. world never end up winning, although. Just, I, w- I wanted to cover this today. Kyle, you're welcome to stay. If you want to stay for the rest of the show, by all means, stay and chill with us. Um, I'm sure you'll have other stuff to you want to do. You anything else you want to tell us that's juicy? Uh, I'm thinking about writing a column about a new concept that was introduced to me uh, on Friday. That the FBI is investigating a group known as radical, traditional Catholics. How do you... I have to say that slowly because it's hard for me to put those words together. <laughs> I, I, I every time I say traditional. It, radically traditional Catholics. These are people who prefer the Latin Mass. Yep. They like uh, pre-Vatican II. Mm-hmm. They're into the form of. So I'm going to go full disclosure on this. So I'm a confirmed Catholic. My wife is a confirmed Catholic. Me now. too. She actually got baptized last year. Um, I grew up in a relatively austere educational environment. I was uh, went to fifth and sixth grade uh, with Cistercians who escaped the Nazis and also, sorry, is that right? Yes, they some of them escaped the Nazis in in Hungary, and some of them also were like Iron Curtain escapees and like literally ran from German shepherds and machine guns and like went over barbed wire to get to the United States. And they set up this little monastery in Dallas, Texas, and it's known as Cistercian College Preparatory School. It's like theoretically one of the more exclusive schools. I cannot believe my parents paid that kind of money to send there. And I learned Latin for several years. And, you know, the the priest did Gregorian chant, which was pretty incredible in this very, very simple chapel, which was just like stone and glass and nothing. The pews were simple wood. They're really cool guys. Like they're really neat. And so I, I'm kind of a traditional Catholic. I do like the Latin mass. I actually did study enough Latin that it's not totally foreign to me. The FBI's Richmond field office has put out an Intel product, which I'm, gonna, I'm thinking about writing about in long form and quoting. But they've suggested that there is a, a one-to-one tie-in and significant overlap between radical tradi- uh, traditional Catholics and guess it. Pick pick the the wheel of uh, wheel of terrorism in the United States. What do you think it's going to be? Domestic white extreme domestic white supremacists. Racially motivated, yeah, racially motivated violent extremist yeah. white supremacists. Uh, obviously, people who uh, and the reason here's the tie-in, because radical traditional Catholics or RTCs, as they are known in this intelligence product, RTCs don't like abortion. They're pro strike down of Roe v. Wade. And they are not on board with the LGBTQIA plus agenda. That makes them and evil. That's why they're evil. Now, if you're following the stuff that uh, I, I had something uh, that was quoted in the New York Post a uh, couple months back, maybe two months back, that showed the radical gender ideology that the FBI pushes. We know the Bureau is on board with the stuff. They have a thing called Bureau Equity, um, which used to email me and tell me I could buy my, my FBI pride shirts. So that's weird. That and training then, wasn't coupled with anything, by the way, the diversity and inclusion training that, that they have been. No, it was just it was just letting you know like how to talk to people and use their pronouns and how to deal with uh, transgender agents and so on. Of which there are some now, uh, oh, which is very sudden, funny. Right? All of a sudden, they're are they are they running? I mean, what? I think they have my badge. I think they took my badge and gave it to to a tranny. 
serious. David Lynch called it back in 1990 with Twin Peaks. It's, you don't remember that? I, I remember Twin Peaks. I don't remember him calling. Did he call David, about David David Duchovny? Right, like two years before the X Files started, David Duchovny was on. Uh, he, he he picked up a small bit role in um, in Twin Peaks as a transgender cross-dressing FBI uh, supervisor. That's great. It's there like are the there's always been a couple. I mean, Hoover was so closeted. But, though. You know, by the way, I told that to Mark Kreider, who you guys had on the show. Yeah, because because he's got a picture of Hoover in his office and his. Uh, so he's a sheriff. I think you guys know that. But yep. he's a sheriff in a small county in Washington. And wow, uh, wow, I told wow. his guys. That's right. I told his guys in the office that uh, Hoover was a crossdresser and they'd never heard that before. And they just literally roast him every single time they see the picture now over his shoulder. And they go, why do you have that tranny's picture on your wall? And he goes, he goes, it's a myth. It's a rumor. It's a riff. You know, he's just because he's because he's the sheriff. He doesn't. And, he, and he's a Hoover guy. He needs the, to all open the old school his guys. eyes, Kyle. He needs to open his eyes. It. and He really does. He needs to listen to it's, more. So you're going to write a so piece funny. about them targeting I don't know how you can use the word radical and traditional next to one another. It seems just very counterintuitive to me. How is something traditional? On top of that, it the piece actually, their their Intel product, which is about six or seven pages long, it actually ends with the words that the churches are being used as a platform to promote violence, which is my absolute favorite thing I've ever read about the craziness of the FBI. If anyone doesn't think that the FBI has been politicized or radicalized, we're talking about like one of the most prolific Christian you know, denominations, the, uh, I would say original, it goes far, far back. So what's, I assume next will be radical traditional Baptists and evangelicals. We should get on their cases. Christians. Um, we're going to have to, we're going to have to go after all the radical traditional Lutherans and uh, Calvinists and Anglicans the and Episcopals. Are Satanists are fine. They're on the Grammys. It's just, it's an incredible time to just see all this stuff happening. It does feel like the snowball's picking up speed. And so Frank, the question is, is how, is it Eric? Is it Lippy? Is there some Carls or are there some like really evil, dastardly people out there that are pulling their strings? Because I think those people are puppets. Yeah. Um, but I don't disagree with you. It is it's, mostly it's, idiocracy. It's, prob it's probably the penguin. It's the penguin, right? <laughs> it's the it's Danny DeVito. <laughs> the penguin. The penguin What's... just shows up behind everybody looking. <laughs> oh, it's the, oh, that penguin. Yeah, no, I was thinking, I was looking at Danny DeVito. Yes, it's the oh, penguin. You're right. Oh, yeah, the, oh, the penguin. No, You're no, no, not the, the Batman piece. I was like the Batman penguin. You know, you're right. I forgot about the penguin always popping in there. <laughs> you, you know what's scary is that uh, it, when we're closer to idiocracy than we are like the X-Files, you know, uh, cancer man, like idiocracy scares me way more. You know, it is. It's a whole, it, it, you know, it, you, you can get a good laugh. There's a lot of laughs in idiocracy, but it is so much more of an intelligent projection of things that are you can see all around us it's actually a, a very hopeless film like mm -hmm. yeah it's one of those films where uh you know the you ever have that feeling of desolation that creeps up inside of you whenever you think about a deep space being lost in deep space or being lost or at the bottom of the ocean or being in a place where you have no connection you're alive you're relatively healthy but you have absolutely no connection to your old life you are light years away from your family, like interstellar or something like that, where, you, where you're just like, oh, my God, I'm alone. I missed that. I missed out on everything. It's gone. Uh, that that is that's really that's idiocracy right there. And to be you know, sad is 
there's more hope even in being lost if you knew that your family wasn't stuck in the same sort of hell that you were you could get along with that knowing that they yeah. were okay idiocracy the the bleakness and the dystopian nature of it is that everybody is lost they were all screwed and we're all in the dumbest timeline that exists because because we let it go to that and we let hector camacho you know run a like a 240 bravo and shoot it through the the halls of congress for state of the union yeah it's i mean that's that that is uh it's terrifying but think about how close we are to that really so people could probably sit on a toilet right now put a flat screen in their bathroom they could literally be crapping and watching tv and ordering uber eats and getting packages from amazon and never leave their their throne and you know yell flush and yell food and have these things almost we're like this far from that being the case. So no wonder people are doing it. It's bread and circuses. I, I, I mean, was, it worked for the Romans for a little while. I was saying the other day, like when everybody's on the beach cheering this missile, shooting this balloon out of the sky, quote balloon. I was like, William, to my son, I'm like, you have to understand something. We are so ridiculously sheltered in this country and people don't even think twice about it. Like if we lived overseas and like Israel with the Iron Dome or whatever, this would be a common everyday occurrence is things blowing up in the sky above us. We don't see that yes. here. I think that time is coming to an end relatively quickly. Like that wasn't supposed to be a tourist uh, attraction. That was pretty. That like, no, it was a deliberate. I think it was a deliberate provocation. It was just to, to gauge reaction. Like it costs almost nothing to throw something like that up there. It probably costs as much for us to to throw the the sidewinder missile at it that they spent on the actual mm -hmm. balloon. You mm -hmm. know what I mean? Like I said, I, I put a tweet out and it's like, I actually believe this though. And I don't know if Trump would have done this or not, but I think he would have been closer to doing it than, I know Reagan probably would have. They should have shot the damn thing down over the Pacific. They should have continued on their diplomatic their diplomatic mission. Yep. Unfortunately, it's Blinken. But if it was not Blinken, somebody who had some nuts could have gone over there, literally had, uh, I would have had Eric Swalwell bottle, like put the thing in a box yep. and say, hey, you dropped this crap. Yep. And he would have done that. And by the way, and, and and do you want the do you want the uh, the electronics part of it too? And I would have done it like in the middle of a televised interview. It would have been like, thanks so much for having us. We're looking forward to our mission together. By the way, you drop this, <laughs> and then just see what happens next. It's like, now what are you going to do? Like that's how we handle you. But instead, we let it complete its mission because we're kind of generous people, and we want the balloon to be successful too. Everyone wants success for all things, and and that's so kind. And then. Uh, and then we had a little fireworks show for a 0.1 second as it burst. It wasn't it's even just, that impressive, incredible. honestly. The coolest no. thing about it was the um, the coolest thing about it was the after the sonic boom after. Yeah, it was I love, why did it need to go? Why, why did it need to go in supersonic? Let's be real. Why did it? Or was it just flying away? Well, because they knew that people were going to be on the beach, right? And they, so, and they just you know it was like it, almost like a dash away, dash away, dash away all moment. That's it. Look, it's manja, manja. Give the people what they want. <laughs> That, it makes those, me think of uh, what's what's that guy's name, James Franco. Those pe those planes were circling that thing for a good hour, just circling around it, circling around it. I'm like, what the hell else do they need to see? You know, <laughs> well, like no, they needed to let the, the 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 spying apparatus, which was gathering intel in real time and beaming it back via satellite. I'm sure um, they needed to let the, them see the capabilities of the F-22, so they could be like, <laughs> look what we got, look how it works. These scan our weapon systems. Look at our anti radar <laughs> capabilities. We're we're stealth. Can you see how stealth we are? flying in circles low speed so i did want to hit on something before the show um unexpectedly was joined by our great guest today that you might find interesting i'm here from south carolina and i was a state executive committee woman here uh for the gop up until what i don't know six months ago long story short 
you know how reorganization in the GOP works, Kyle, by any chance? I don't. I think it's not something that I cared about until very recently, and now I kind of care dearly. It might be too late. I'm going to explain it to you. It's very simple. Mm -hmm. Every two years, the GOP reorganizes. So each county has a committee with a chair, mm -hmm. a co-chair, and all that. And then there are voting precincts under in the county, and each voting precinct... Um, depending on population and stuff, gets an, an executive committee minute. And you have to go through a process to vote the executive committee men in for the precinct, and then the executive committee men and delegates vote in the leadership of the county. And the whole point is that the power is supposed to be concentrated at the bottom with all the all the ECs that represent the voting precincts because they're directly representing 3,000 or so Republicans. And then their will trickles upward. It, it's not supposed to be from the top trickling down. The whole structure is built th that way on purpose. Yeah, bot bottom-up pyramid type of thing. Bottom-up pyramid, exactly. Well, mm -hmm. reorganization is coming around. Now, my experience with the GOP here was absolutely batshit insane. No other way to explain it. I mean, they went, they the, the chair of the SC GOP here is the guy named Drew McKissick, who is now the co-chair of the National Party. He is the mm -hmm. biggest corrupt, slime ball you'll ever meet in your entire life he's terrible mm. he decided he had he's on the rules committee for the actual state gop mm -hmm. and he's the chair of the state gop he decided that one of the counties the biggest county in south carolina is not allowed to hold their own reorganization this year he's going to do it instead so that sounds that sounds very by the people and for the people. It is. And and they the reason that they got everybody so there are four uh there are counties, however many there are, I'm forgetting the number off the top of my head in South Carolina, and they each each state executive committee person from that county gets a vote at the the committee for the state. So he comes in with with a slide about the the GOP in Greenville County, which is, you know, us. It's run by the people. We, we took mm -hmm. five counties in South Carolina. Um, all five of them are pretty much wiped out now because of things that the state level has done to, to make it so. Completely, mm -hmm. no power. We had no power to fix it. It was, it was just basically they run roughshod over. Everybody's a female anatomy part, so they don't stand up and do anything about it. And then there's like four people up there like, hey, it's kind of similar to what you experience, except at a much yeah. different scale. So sure. he's corrupt as all get out, he fabricates a slide, pretends that the GOP in Greenville used it, and then says everybody vote to make it so that they can't hold their own reorganization. So nobody is in GOP in the GOP in Greenville is going to be represented by anything but establishment swamp rat Lindsey Graham esque representation. And while all this is going on, you have former President Trump standing up on the stage with them like, these guys are great. They're my friends. They do great stuff. And I'm just like, yeah, take a Lindsey Graham endorsement. Stand up there and hold hands with Lindsey Graham and Drew McKissick as they literally crap all over your supporters and make it so that they can't have any political say at all ever again. What, what would it take, do you think, for, for the MAGA... You know, and, and and I'm not one of those guys. Like I'm I'm an ideas guy and I'm a, like a policy guy. So if your policies are great, I'm into it, but I'm not a cult of personality kind of person. Mm -hmm. I just don't think anybody has all the answers. I just think that's um I think that's sort of uh uh idolatrous position to hold. Yeah. Um uh, maybe that's weird. And I've said that and that you'll get attacked by like QAnon people, but whatever. I get attacked. But like what would it 
<laughs> I know that's why we get along. <laughs> why? What, what would it take for people to look and be like, look, Trump did a great job for the things he did. In fact, a better job than I would have ever expected. Like he wasn't my guy in 2016. He was definitely my guy in 2020. Um, but what would it take for people to go like his personnel decisions are so suspect. Like he is Ray. He is uh, Bill Barr. He is all the people that he put into these positions that really screwed the pooch and, and screwed him out of a fair election and us out of a fair election, I think. Yeah. And so what would it pay for people to go like, look, um, he got screwed, but like time still moves on. We don't re-adjudicate the past in this country. We only look at the future. How, how would people see that? Because there seems like an awful lot of bad personnel decisions. You know, we, we lost some races that shouldn't have been lost and his endorsement record notwithstanding, like he endorsed a lot of safe seats too. Um, and the big ones we didn't win where it really should have given us an overwhelming majority in some places. We should have won the Senate too. This country is on a terrible track. It's as bad as anything I've seen in my life. It's bad as anything my dad has seen. He's 73 years old. We're so, in we're in a primary season right now, Kyle, which means that it is time for everybody to evaluate the choices that whatever party puts up there in front of them and make a decision on who they're going to support. I personally like to not go in with any preconceived notion of what's going to happen in that process. Otherwise, it's pointless. Why don't we just appoint a king every four years? Right. Right. So. So, I the, mean, the, I mean, I think leftists want that. Honest to God, they like they want they want a dictator that they can appoint. They do. They really do. Yeah. They love it. They love authoritarianism, which is bizarre. And 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 the right is not getting a lot better on that. They're getting closer to it as well. And that's the full tribal shift. Like that that's not the country that we grew up in. No, it's and, so and weird. South Carolina was, you know, you think South Carolina, everybody thinks bright red, hardcore conservative state. I'm here to tell you that is absolutely not the case. The Democrats just changed their first primary to beware right here in South Carolina. And we have a bunch of soy boy, loser, corruptocrats running the show here. And mm -hmm. primary, first in the South primary for the presidential election is here in South Carolina too. There's a lot of work to do. Um, before, before we end out today, Kyle, one more question for you. And then Frank, you can throw one at him too if you want. My okay. question is your opinion, Ray Epps, FBI informant or regular everyday citizen? Hit it. Uh, uh, I'm going to go in between the two. I think that if he was working for anybody, it was like a DHS entity. Mm. Um, I think there's a there's a high probability that Ray Epps' name is in a source room somewhere, but it's not a bureau source room. So I think he could have been reporting to somebody, may or may not have self-dispatched. If people understand counterterrorism uh, sources, CHSs, confidential human sources, they make money based on the cases they build. So I've, I've said this a couple of times. I actually talked to um, Warren Beatty. What's his name? Yeah, Darren Beatty. A, sorry. Yeah, Darren. <laughs> um, yeah, Darren and I. Sorry. Warren, that'd be impressive. That'd be impressive. Yes. Yeah. So uh, when uh, when Darren and I spoke about it, we both had the same instinct. And he's and I had two other agents that I spoke to that said the same thing. One, he probably was a source somewhere. I, I can't validate that. It's my personal sense. Um, but there's a real decent chance that he was trying to build a case because that's how CT sources make money. The bigger the case, the bigger the money, the bigger the payout. Um, there's too many weird, suspicious things. The FBI did interview him in a way that didn't lead me to believe that he was an FBI source. We would have seen his name in a source from very quickly. So, so so the way so basically he took it upon himself. I just find their protection of him. It's possible. It's 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 real possible to do that. And then it's like somebody else was like, hey, that would be really embarrassing to us. That would not be something outside of the range of um what we would see the DOJ do at this point. Um, you know, protect a source, protect an identity. It was a you know, failed ops mission that the guy, even if he self-dispatched, we have that with criminal sources all the time. Like they'll go and do a drug deal they're not supposed to do, and then you're like <sighs> 
uh, we're not going to arrest him for that, but disavow, 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 mm. you know, like you just don't want to be part of that guy anymore. And the fact that he hasn't popped up anywhere else, there's not a big movement against him. That would tell me something. Okay, Frank, you got one for him or no? No, no, I think we've had a pretty good, uh, pretty good back and forth this whole time. I want to see Frank play the drums at some point. Um, there's probably somewhere I can do that. But yeah, he can go back there right now and do it. Go ahead. No, like I said, this is this doesn't sound. This is a this is a, a practice. Nobody cares. Go ahead. Do it. Set. Good. No, it's, it's, Show it's everybody ridiculous. how good you are, Frank. That's ridiculous. Hey, if you want to listen to some uh, recorded stuff, yeah, you can just go listen to he's, my band. Uh, he's set, really set good. the set the charge. Set the charge. You can What's the genre? Uh, it, uh, we are rock. We're a little bit on the heavier side, but I wouldn't call it metal anymore. Um, there's a little bit of a industrial electronic edge to it too. I think you'd really like it. All right, I'm into it. I'll give yeah, it a shot. Yeah, it's, it's on Spotify. Set the charge. Yeah. I'm for set the charge. By the way, I've set the charge before, and <laughs> that's what that's what it's about. It's about setting <laughs> yeah. the charge. I have set the charge. I've done both electric and non-electric demo. I'm a big fan of blowing stuff up. It's one of my favorite things. It's the pure application of physics. If anybody's never done it before. Kyle, I'm glad you. I'm glad you get it. Most people are like set the charge. What is it? What are you talking about? You're yeah. setting a charge. In, yeah, man. Run, run. You know. But, you don't know. So. You range walk. You always. You always walk. You don't run. Okay. Oh yeah. <laughs> but you walk. With, you walk with a serious purpose. Yeah. You never run on the on the demo range. There's all kinds of weird frag out there. You don't have to do that. I, I have one more question for you, Kyle. Can you tell everybody, please? We're we're helping to disperse your awesome podcast. But where can people find it if they want to listen to your show? Uh, my name. So rumble.com slash Kyle Serafin or the Kyle Serafin show dot podbean. You can search it on Apple, on Spotify and so on. You can find it in the uncover DC newsletter, which is awesome. It's uh, very, very thoughtful that Tracy pushes it out there for us. But um, what's really fun is if you go on Apple and you search in their app in their podcast uh, app and you type in the, the Dan Bongino podcast. Yep. My name pops up next to Glenn Beck and David Rubin. Let's see. Dan Bongino. At least it did on a couple of phones that I yeah, saw. Yeah, there you are, right next to Dan. <laughs> I'm going to see if I can so, show people this. I don't know if it'll pick it up. There it is. So I'm over there on uh, on the right. Oh, you got it for a second at least. Yeah, right next to Dan. Oh. Now you went back. Um, it's pretty funny. I, I actually sent that to Bongino, and uh, and I showed him, and, and he goes, great great product placement <laughs> so that's pretty cool <laughs> all right guys you have been listening to the dark delight podcast with frankie val on the drums and beans you can hear us every monday wednesday and friday at 2 30 eastern time on TuneIn, stitcher apple itunes google Podcasts, iHeartRadio, spotify and radioinfluence.com monday wednesday and friday live streaming at 8 30 a.m eastern time from rumble getter and twitter and make sure to listen to Frank's show every Monday through Friday uh, at 7 p.m. Eastern on quitefrankly.tv. We'll be back here on Wednesday. Later. <laughs> <laughs>